Hey, this is Joe Namath, and uh, they say it ain't easy being green. Are you ready? The New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jet fans. Jet fans. Jet fans. Very passionate. Bird, Bird. Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jet fans. Very passionate. Brady sucks. Dolphins sucks. Come on, a number leader. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast, broadcasting to you live from beautiful, amazing, picturesque Houston, Texas, everybody. From the Lagaris Compounds, I am here live in the building with the biggest jet fan in the state of Texas, none other than Michael Lagaris, everyone. <laughs> Am I the biggest Jet fan in the state of Texas? I mean, right now it's arguable because I'm here. I'm here. I'm putting work in, guys. We're here together, the two of us, for our 100th episode. It just happened to work out this way. 100th episode of ABG coming at you this week, guys. I got to be here with Mike, which is tremendous. The first episode all the way back in June of 2018. Mike was in New York. We got to do that one together. Yep. Here we are 100 episodes later here in Houston, Texas. Hey, I happen to be here on vacation checking the fam out. Got to do this one together as well. We're going to get into a lot of Jet-related topics. As always, everyone, talk about the game today. Talk about this season. Talk about Gaze. Talk about Field. Talk about Sam. Talk about Trevor. Everything humanly possible. But, Mike, real quick, real quick, running back through memory lane here in our 100 episodes. First of all, I'm very proud we made it this far. Yeah. I'm very proud we made it this far because, guys, me and Mike are the guys that decided to do a Jet podcast when the Jets decided to be the worst they're going to ever be maybe the past 40 years. Yeah. Besides maybe a slight run there with Rich Kotite the past couple years, would you say Mike is our darkest era darkest, besides then? Darkest. And the thing is, is that that wasn't our agenda when we first started this. We thought we were on the way up. We thought, wow, we got this young quarterback out of USC named Sam. Darnold, it was so exciting. A lot of Jeff fans were happy. I talked to Keith. I said, hey, let's do this podcast, man. Let's let's do this. And, you know, because I knew that he was very good at uh, with audio engineering, uh, getting his degree in broadcasting, uh, understanding that industry. My job as a consultant, I thought we can work out big Jet fans together. And we, t- um, and we thought we were on the way up. And little did we know it would go into the deepest and darkest places that we would ever know as Jet fans. Yeah, and you know, guys, the last three years, even though the Jets haven't been the best, even though we've had a lot of our hopes dashed when it comes to Sam Darnold here, Mike, doing the show has been a blast. Interacting with Jet fans, just psycho Jet fans like us, that Jet family, that, that fan base that... Unless you are a Jet fan and you live in New York, maybe you don't realize how passionate it is. Number two in attendance last year, number two in attendance the year before that. I don't think any fan base receives less back than they give out for a big-time team than Jet fans. So we wanted to do something that was fun, something that every week would get a smile on their face, but keep it real at all times like we always have been. When you got to bash the Jets, you got to bash the Jets, and we've done that many times. I know last week... When it came to the New York Jets, I should say last time we did a show, previous show, is when they took that first dub of the year versus the Rams. Now, after they took that dub, Mike, we came on here, 
We did a show. We told everyone to chill. Exercise a little caution. We weren't being ignorant. We weren't being stupid. We weren't trying to stick our head in the sand. We were just trying to say, hey, there's other options. There's other ways that we could be good that don't involve Trevor Lawrence, right? And what I find funny is this. Now, when Mike went on Twitter and mentioned, hey, you know, or I should say put a picture out with Fields, you know, in a jet uniform, and he got some pushback from some people that act like just doing that means you don't get college football, you don't understand college football. Oh my God, how could you think Fields would go number two? Mel Kuyper knows football. He watches college football, right? On his big board, before that game, Fields was already number three. But besides the point, it took one game. Now, me and Mike said to everybody, we don't know how this is going to work out. Maybe Jacksonville will go ahead and get a win this the win when they play the Bears. Didn't happen, okay? We know we're going to be selected number two now. The dust is settled. Now we can react more uh, more accurately. Yep. We know where we're picking. We yep. know how the season ended, and we know how it went. So looking at it now, what we said was, look, let's see how the season ends. Maybe before the season ends, maybe when Ohio State and Clemson play head-to-head, what happens if Justin Fields just lights it up, Mike? What happens if he has a huge game in the biggest stage? What will people's opinions be then? Will people still be mad? We have the number two pick. That was just one of the options, right? Now, right. neither of us knew this would his game would play out like it did. No one knew Trevor Lawrence would have, for his skill level, a stinker, right? Justin Fields went completely crazy. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Mike, and I would love every single person that trolled Jet fans or Jet fans that wallowed in the negativity or any of those other shows, podcasts, whatever the case may be, that for clicks or whatever you want, lost your mind when we won one game and acted like you're not a, you're not approaching being a fan correctly when you root for your team to win. I want all those people now to tell me what they think when the whole world Adam Schefter, every expert, all of a sudden is like, oh my God, could Justin Fields go number one? Whoa, look at that. Look at how the tables have turned. And I'm just bringing this up, people, to point out once again that when you don't know how to feel, when you don't know where to go as a Jet fan, turn on AEBG. Because <laughs> all you other clowns that wasted that energy, right, last week, Oh, we didn't get Trevor. The Jets are destined to lose. All that nonsense. How you feel right now? Because all of a sudden now, people are saying Justin Fields might go number one. Maybe Trevor Lawrence slips to the Jets. People are actually acting like if they had a choice, they'd take Fields over Trevor, which I'm not saying do that. But what I'm saying is Fields might have elevated himself to a place where drafting him now is not looked at as, oh, you got this other guy. No one's in the realm of Trevor Lawrence. Head-to-head just now, they went versus the other Ohio State and Clemson. Same stage. You couldn't have a better game than Fields did. You couldn't play through. You couldn't show more NFL-level toughness than he did. The All-Star Sugar Bowl couldn't have gotten, gone better for the New York Jets. Couldn't have gone better. Because Justin Fields, head-to-head versus Trevor Lawrence on the national stage, looked like the better quarterback. Period. There is no discussion about it. QBR of 99, Trevor Lawrence 77.2, had a couple of fumbles. But once again, Trevor Lawrence on the national stage was upstaged by the opposite quarterback last year, Joe Burrow, this year, Justin Fields. Now, like Keith is saying, all of 
the narratives were, oh, the Jets blew it. You guys are bums. I can't believe it. We always win, win meaningless games. I'm going to tell you something. Those wins were not meaningless to all of you experts out there that talk about how the Jets always do things at the end and it doesn't matter. The Jets have a number of young players that are coming back next year, and they were 0-13, right? And as a team, they played, they never quit, and they played together, and they were able to win not one, but two games. And that type of success there, being able to overcome that big, giant gorilla on their back as a young squad, that goes into the next team next year with the new coach with the new quarterback, with the culture that's being set. That isn't nothing, okay? And I'll tell you right now, if we were 0-15 watching that All-State Sugar Bowl, and after we saw what we saw, I would feel a whole lot worse than I do right now. I can tell you that right now. The fact that we would go 0-16 into the annals, possible 0-16, right? Winless is forever, fellas and ladies and gentlemen forever right we're not going 0 and 16 we won games good now justin fields wilson trevor all options and i believe they are definitely going to be options after the performance of one sam Darnold today yeah we came into this game uh this weekend mike i'm down here with you in houston one positive of the last couple of weeks when they took w's maybe the only positive is the fact that we came into this game this weekend, we could actually root for the Jets to win. Didn't have to feel any guilt about draft picks changing or anything like that. Unfortunately, though, we sat downstairs. We watched the game. The game started off good. Sam even started off good. Got into the second half playing well. And then it kind of seemed like a microcosm of what his career has been here. It starts off pretty decent. Had a good first half. And then makes a couple mistakes at crucial moments that sink the team, sink sink the day for you, give you the loss. And a couple of those passes, one of them, Mike, you hit pause, you rewound it, you looked at it again. It was, um, I think it was the first one. There was no one, I don't know who he was throwing the ball That's to now. Crazy. And, you know, and we're not going to belabor the point with Sam. Sam probably just played his last game as a Jet more than likely. Yeah, Unless yeah, they I do, think. Mike had suggested an option where maybe what the Jets do is draft a quarterback with the second first-round pick they have and maybe keep Sam, have them battle it out. I know that might sound crazy, but not, not out of the question, um, depending on how the draft shakes out. But more than likely, Sam played his last game. And going into the game, I said to myself, you know, if he goes out there and has another... last two games, he hasn't been amazing, but he's been efficient enough. If he went out there and had another efficient game, if he could maybe go through the day with no turnovers, get a W for the Jets... That's going to bode well for him in the offseason. It'll bode well for the Jets when it comes to getting some compensation for him. Not how it worked out. Sam had another stinker, another day with a couple of interceptions. 2B rating was a 76 on the day, two interceptions. He only had, I think, um, yeah, 266 yards, 34 attempts. And it is what it is with Sam. I mean, all year long, he's been underwhelming. I mean, he had a decent game a couple weeks ago versus the Rams. But besides that, guys, we've been, we've been waiting all year for... Sam to have a game where, you know, he threw for 300 yards. Today, this game today was the most yards he's thrown for the entire season. It was 266. Yes. So, I think now most Jets fans we spoke with, we've already kind of resigned ourselves to where we're going here with Sam a couple weeks ago. He played okay the last couple weeks, so I think maybe people went, oh, you know, Sam is fighting back here a little. He played okay versus the Raiders, too. That wasn't a bad game. Versus San Francisco wasn't the worst game in the world. But I think we've kind of arrived at a place here with Sam where we kind of know what he is. And 
you can, and we, at least we know what he is here with the Jets, and I don't think there's any moving forward with Sam here in New York that'd be beneficial for him or be beneficial for us um, at all. I think that they're going to have a new coach. He's going to want a new quarterback, and we're going to kind of start from scratch here. And, you know, it's kind of sad to see the end of Sam's career because, like we said, we started the podcast soon after drafting him. Kind of the excitement we had to start the podcast was that we're going to ride on this kid's soldiers. He might be the one. He might be the chosen one, as we used to joke around. We have Sam edited in right into the intro, Mike, because yep. I made the intro right after we started. So it's unfortunate. I know his tenure here has not been amazing. Sam had 37 games. In those 37 games, he had 44 touchdowns, 37 interceptions. He was sacked 95 times, which is mind-boggling. A quarterback rating of 78.6 for his career here with the Jets. But more importantly than that, Mike, the win-loss record for Sam over that time is 13 wins, 24 losses in, in the games he started. Prop, the problem that I have with Sam and why we need to move on is that in year, I understand he's still young, but in year three, the fact that his progressions, he doesn't see the entire field is a problem. That last interception is a perfect example. He didn't see the safety. How do you not see it? How did you not take that into account? He just looks at the, he just goes through his progressions, looks at his target, maybe sees one defender that's on that target and throws the ball without actually understanding and scanning the field. Yes, he has amazing skills running outside of the pocket. Yes, he's able to run also. Yes, sometimes he has a good, you know, accurate ball that he steps into. But Sam has a turnover problem. He had a turnover problem coming out of USC. He has a turnover problem now. And he's not the type of quarterback, in my opinion, that is going to will you to win. He's somebody that potentially could manage the San Francisco 49ers to another Super Bowl, right? He probably can go ahead and stamp into Indianapolis or New Orleans and maybe get them into the playoffs, right? With good, great coaching and good talent. But he's not the guy for us, unfortunately. And again, I'm going to leave it up to the new coach. Potentially, again, that'll be in another podcast. We'll talk about the coaching options coming up. It's going to be an exciting offseason, Jet fans. Um, we do know that Adam Gase is to be let go here in a matter of moments. Yeah, um, we, me and Mike actually waited because we were hoping maybe they'll cut bait with this dude pretty soon after the game. Mike's checking his phone now just to see <laughs> what happened. Just so we could bring that live to you guys when we did the pod. But I think that's kind of when we're talking about 2021 here and how the season's gone and where we're going. You can't really go through that story without bringing up the the kind of the elephant in the room, which is Adam Gase, which is what he's done to this team the last two years. Now you look at a guy like Sam Darnold, his rookie year was what it was. 17 TDs for Sam as a rookie, 15 interceptions. He averaged about 220 yards a game. His quarterback rating was about a 77, so not great. Second year. Last year for Sam, 19 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. You know, the win-loss record was was actually pretty good for Sam. He was 7-6. and six. Then you come into this year, guys. You know, Sam's yards per game went from 232 to 176. His quarterback rating dropped from 84 to about a 70. You know, Sam obviously regressed this year big time. A giant portion of the reason for that has to do with coaching, what he's been surrounded with, just the entire environment Sam's been in. We'll give him a bit of a pass. But Adam Gase leaving, the biggest positive development that could happen for us in the offseason, regardless of what happens with free agency, regardless of what big quarter, big-time quarterback we bring in here, if Adam Gase was still here and we saw, we, we drafted Fields or we drafted Lawrence or we brought in some big free agents, say Adam Gase was still here, nobody would feel positive about it. Just knowing he's gone, knowing that he's going to be canned, that alone, I think, brings a level of positivity to people. That alone... 
gives people, I think, a very upbeat look at the offseason as opposed to a couple of weeks ago when we won that one game. We might not get Trevor this and that. I think the developments of the last couple days with uh, Fields playing the way he did, he's going to play in the national championship game. He's going to have another chance to play yeah, great. He might have a chance to elevate his, his status even more. And also knowing now Gase is gone, these things trickling into Jet fans' psyches, I think is building us back up and just giving people the proper perspective, which is this is going to be one of, if not the most important offseason we've ever had. Absolutely. We've never had so much on paper, at least, ammunition-wise, to make ourselves better in such a short amount of time. When it comes to drafts, when it comes to draft picks, when it comes to cap space, when it comes to hopefully a new coach, we've never been in this situation before. We have not. And to be honest, Keith, look, the most important decision that we make coming up and we've talked about this is the new head coach let me give you just a quick sampling of uh, an issue with Adam Gase Ty Johnson finished the year with 4.7 yards per attempt you had Josh Adams that finished the year with 5.4 yards per attempt both of those blowing away what Gore did at 3.5 yards per attempt and then P. Ryan as well with, I think, 3.8. These yeah. are stats provided Barely by Michael Nana, Nania. Why would you continue to run through Gore like he did? See, it's stuff like this. It's simple things. Simple things. Like, you have a young running back like Ty Johnson already out showing the old 37-year-old. Your team is not trying to make the playoffs. Your team is building. Anyway, I'm, I, I digress. I get very emotional. I have to worry about that because Adam Gase is out of here, right? So, the most important thing we can do even more important than picking the, the quarterback is the right head coach. And I'll tell you guys right now that I really, really hope that Fitzgerald out of Northwestern uh, gets an interview and he accepts that interview and interviews for the head coaching spot at the New York Jets. There's a couple of other guys out there, but I really like Fitzgerald. And by the way, when Fields had that bad game versus Northwestern, guess who the coach was? Fitzgerald. And everyone wondered what happened in that game. And, you know, when you go through the, the tenure of Adam Gase here as our coach, guys, there's really no highlights. I mean, maybe that Dallas Cowboy game was the biggest win that we had as him as coach, right? Yeah. Um, Sam played really good in that game. But, I mean, the initial press conference, we know he had the crazy eyes. We know during the initial press conference, he actually said just some of the highlights of Adam Gase, that he sacrificed stats for wins. <laughs> That's why the stats were so bad. We know Tannehill, Robbie, Drake, Parker, or many other players have done good once they leave Gase. We know in his tenure, you know, he pushed for them to draft Ja'Kai Polite. That didn't work out that well. We know he hid from the cameras during the entire 2019 draft because he didn't want to be associated with Mike McCagnin. We know he ended up getting Mike McCagnin fired, and then Chris Johnson had to come out and say, yeah, the way I handled that was absolutely pathetic. I shouldn't have done that. We know he presided over the game where Sam Darnold said that he was seeing ghosts. We know he chased... Jamal Adams out of town. We know he chased Le'Veon Bell out of town. Bill Belichick took a delay a game. Took a delay a game to create room for his punter. Gase didn't understand the actual rule book, so he declined the penalty, which restarted the clock and allowed two minutes to run off between plays. Like, absolute, like, when you, when people think, well, if, if someone asks you, well, why is he a bad coach? Uh, you know, besides all the things I just said, if you want one reason, there's a reason right there. He's just the worst coach of all time. Just in a nutshell, real quick, with Adam Gase. But what we also know now is we're turning the page. Okay, now, we're going to let everyone have some time here to digest this season. It was very negative. I know a lot. we had a lot of losses. Longest losing streak in the history of our team this year. It's all over with. All That's over done with. with. 2020 is over with. People want to go on their podcasts, go on the news, go on the media, go anywhere they want, social media. 
and belabor the point and hem and haw about it, you're not doing yourself any good. It's over with, all right? That, that torch is over with, Madam Gaze. That is over We've had with. fun yeah, talking about yeah, it for a few yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. made for some good fodder. It's made for some good covers, okay? His crazy eyes look good on the Grinch. They look good on Freddy Krueger. Mike, we had a lot of fun with it. But now it's time to turn the page. And here so quickly, just to get your perspective, Keith, what was your feeling? I'm going to ask you about... Uh, Fields, I'm going to ask you about Lawrence, I'm going to ask you about Wilson, and just quick what your feelings were coming into bowl season, and then now what your feelings are after bowl season. Let's go ahead and start off with Justin Fields, what you thought about him, you know, what he did last year, Heisman Trophy candidate, yeah. you know, what he's done this year, and then uh, uh, after your feelings in the bowl game, what's your thoughts? Well, it's funny how it works. So before that game, me and you had... Trevor Lawrence as our number one, Wilson as our number two, Fields as our number three. And what you hear from experts, though, everybody had Lawrence one, Fields two when it comes to the quarterback rankings. And throughout the year, if you look, the Northwestern game, he didn't play that great. But they've only played seven games, I think, Ohio State. Right. So you project his numbers over 12 games, he'd have middle, mid-30s touchdowns. His numbers would be actually kind of ridiculous yeah. if you look at him. And throughout the year, he played really consistent. He didn't play a great game when they played Indiana, obviously. Didn't play a great game when they played Northwestern. I think those are things people are going to knock on him. But the rest of the game is very efficient. He can run the ball also. Fields is great. Played great during the regular season. Ohio State quarterbacks, though, historically, as we've talked about in the chat, and make a mental note of this, Jet fans, anyone else listening, they don't have a single quarterback that has ever remotely been successful in the NFL. I mean, you're talking about Haskins, you're talking about Terrell Pryor, you're talking about Troy Smith, you're talking about Krenzel back in the day. I know I'm leaving someone out in here, but I mean, you run through the list of Ohio State quarterbacks all time. These are not guys that have had a lot of success in the NFL, so that's kind of frightening to me. But what I saw in that game the other night, it reminded me of what I saw years ago from a Deshaun Watson. When I know Clemson's always been a good team, yeah, but... When they elevated up to play Alabama back in the day and everyone thought Alabama was going to spank yeah. Clemson, he played his best in those games, and he showed a lot. He'd take big hits and keep playing. Now, Fields the other night took a hit that I thought was putting him out of the game. You know, what he showed in that game was the type of toughness you need to be successful in the NFL, first of all. But he also showed a touch on those long passes, which I've seen from him in highlights, but... To see it in the biggest game of the season, head-to-head with Clemson, Trevor Lawrence on the other sideline, you guys got to think about it like this. If you're Justin Fields, you spent your whole high school career hearing that Trevor Lawrence is better than you, you're the number two quarterback in the country, he's the number one prospect. Then you go to college, and last year, you had to hear all year how Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback in the country, you're maybe second, third, or fourth, you play head-to-head versus Clemson, you get whooped, Mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. You come into this year... And now everyone's trying to tank to get Trevor Lawrence, okay? People, NFL teams are losing. The Jet fans are mad. We're not getting it. We understand. shoes out. We understand the whole process. Everybody gets it. So if you're Justin Lawrence, Justin Fields, excuse me, and you hear hear that when you're in high school, you hear it when you're in college, you come into this season, you hear it the entire season, people want Lawrence, people want Lawrence, people want Lawrence, and you finally get a chance to play him head-to-head. And you step up to the level he stepped up with that level of pressure. That's an attribute and an intangible that sometimes people overlook. That big game skill, that big game ability. The guys that rise to the occasion when it means the most. So Justin Fields, for me, took a giant leap forward. I know it's just one game, and I know I can't base um, what you feel about a quarterback off one game. But when the one game, or he'll play in the national championship game too, or then two games, is that level of game, it's the highest pressure games he's going to play. He's not... That's the highest pressure game he played in his career was versus Clemson. Now it'll be 
versus Alabama. And what he did was just, to me, remarkable yep. in that situation. I agree. And it was enough that the next day, and this is the way the world works, though, but the next day you had legitimate questions but by real Actual reporters, yeah. pundits, NFL people, Maurice real Jones Drew. people that know better than you and me, and will that played in the league that are that have experience in the NFL, wondering, is Justin Fields the best quarterback? Is is that the guy that should be taken first, or should it be Lawrence? He actually played well enough in that game in that moment to make people that are in the NFL, real analysts, question. Is Lawrence better than him or not? So that's how impressive he was off that one. And if he wins the national championship, how much higher will his stock rise? Like, so what if he goes out, plays Alabama, runs for 100 yards, oh. throws three touchdowns, oh. throws for 300 yards? All of a sudden, oh. the Jets are sitting at number two saying, okay, if you go ahead. <laughs> Jet fans, we're sitting at two saying, if you do take Lawrence, Jacksonville, we'll take Fields. We'll take Fields. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. And, and, guess, and guess who's going to be potentially the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars? Urban Meyer or Ryan Day. Exactly. Now, guys, this is leaning in a certain direction here. Now, if Fields goes out and balls again in the Alabama game, he's already going to reinforce the stock he has with his two. Urban Meyer loves him. Day loves him. I think one of them ends up the coach there. They're probably going to grab him, you'd think. But there's no way to know. Uh, college coaches have passed up on their their college quarterback before in the past. It's happened before, but I think if either of them was the head coach of the team coming off how he's played and the talent and things like that, it's interesting to think about. That's all I'm going to say. Very interesting to think about because as me and Mike tried to exercise caution last week with everybody, we're in a position all of a sudden where Justin Fields legitimately inserted himself into the consideration for number one. He did. I'm not saying he should go number one. That's not what I'm saying, but... If he did get selected number one, if he has a great national championship game and that happened, I don't think as many people would be surprised as a couple weeks ago when people were writing him off and everyone was saying Wilson was the number two and obviously Lawrence is the best. Now there's question. There's a gray area created. And I think he's done that with his play and I think he's raised his stock high enough now that he literally is maybe 1A to Lawrence. Well, then let me ask you this question. Now let's talk a little bit about... Mr. Lawrence, Mr. Generational Quarterback, Mr. 6'6", with the beautiful long hair, with the towering arm, with the accuracy. Has Lawrence hurt his value in your mind at all? Has the fact that on the biggest stage, when he played up against Joe Burrow in the national championship, got outplayed by Joe Burrow, and now in the college football playoff up against Fields, had a couple of turnovers, um, has he now kind of showed you that maybe he's not that big-time player? I mean, we knew a guy named one Peyton Manning who was probably the greatest regular season quarterback in the history of the National Football League. But whenever Peyton Manning got to the playoffs, winning wasn't the thing that usually happened for some reason. Yeah. We, You know, you would think all those times Manning got the Super, uh, uh, playoffs, he would have gone to more Super Bowls. Yeah. He only won one yeah, me, for the we, team that he drafted. And Mike and I, him. Mike and I debated this a little bit the other day, but Mike is right because I was, I my, Peyton Manning was his, his quarterback. His numbers in the playoffs, at least, didn't mirror his numbers in the regular right. season. And you're playing much better teams. I get it, but there's other guys that numbers kind of get even better in the playoffs. Like Eli Manning yeah, was yeah. a money. Joe you know, Montana. A good example. Yeah. Money. So, um, and I'm not saying that Lawrence isn't a big game player. He still had 400 yards in the game. He almost was at 70%. He had two touchdowns. But in the key moments of the game, turnovers there. I think sometimes these things stand out on people. Like if you have 400 yards 
and you throw for 70% and you're two touchdowns and one in, it's kind of hard to say the guy had a bad game. But when you look at it, he probably should have had another interception. Yeah. The guy dropped one. Mm-hmm. He lost one fumble. I mean, he lost two fumbles. I think he could have lost maybe three mm-hmm. in the game. So it definitely wasn't Trevor's best game. But on the whole, when you look at the body of work this kid has put together in his career at Clemson, he has 90 touchdowns, 17 interceptions. That's crazy. His co- college quarterback rating for his career is a 164. <laughs> so I understand how he played in that game. I understand last year for his LSU. That's crazy. He, he didn't have any touchdowns. He also didn't have any interceptions. The team didn't play that great. These things are going to be things that people are going to look at as negatives. And I think the main reason why is because there's not many other things with Lawrence to look at as negatives. Right. He doesn't have those things. He can run. He can throw. He can throw accurately. He can throw the deep ball. He's pretty heady. He doesn't, I know he didn't play the best game this week. Doesn't normally turn the ball over. Um, he can pretty much do everything. And I think Fields showed you he could do that too last week. He probably showed it all season, but the biggest stage was last week. So those dudes, I think, maybe are more, um, maybe they're closer together than people realize. You right. Know? And, but I do think Lawrence, to me, should still be the number one pick. I agree. But if he, for any reason, you know, also Fields Jeff. goes number one, I mean, guys. At this point, I'm pretty good with both of them. There is one more guy, though, that intrigues me as well. Um, actually, Trey Lance a little bit, but we could talk about him at another time. But there is one other quarterback. Now, Keith came down to my house here in Houston, and we were hanging out. We were watch- we watched the uh, the game together. We were all excited. And, I told- and Keith has not had the time to sit and watch highlights of Zach Wilson. Yeah, I only see one game of him play. Okay. One game. So, he, he heard some of the narratives he said, but he didn't really sit down. And sometimes what me and Keith do, Keith taught me this long, long ago, like, he would hear of a prospect and be like, Mike, just YouTube. So I go on YouTube. This was way, way, way back when YouTube was like first starting out. We'd just watch their highlights and kind of see how nasty. I, would, I remember that. Remember Joe McNasty? Oh, Joe McNasty. Yeah. yeah. That's right. our boy. We, I, we dropped <laughs> it up. Me and Keith, we, we opened up our YouTube. We were watching him in, in, in uh, college. We were yeah. like, Woo! That's the that's where, where that's when you gave him the nickname McNasty. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, so we sit down on my couch. I put on Zach Wilson highlights for him, and he sees this kid throw for the first time. You want to tell our family? Yeah, I mean the only other game I, I watched one like I told Mike I watched him play a game once, but I didn't watch him with any type of critical eye. I was just I had a BYU game on. It was when they played Boise State. And that game he was twenty two for twenty eight. He had a really good game, but I just I didn't know anything about this kid besides the fact that. Compared to last year, his stats this year, this is what scares you about kids like him, is that last season, when you look at the stats that Wilson had, 319 attempts, only 11 TDs, 9 interceptions. This year, only has 20 more attempts, but the stats took such a giant jump. Now, that can happen with guys, but he's another guy that looks so good. So, if any Jet fan puts on this kid's highlight tape... (laughs) And you see the type of passes he's dropping in. Of all these, of all these quarterbacks that we're talking about here, he's actually the most accurate. Yes. He has the least turnovers. Yeah. He's the most careful with the ball of any of them. And then when you look at what he's been able to do this year, his quarterback rating was a 196 in college. Now, college quarterback ratings are a little different than the NFL. Yes. But a 196 is ridiculous. 33 touchdowns, three interceptions. Maybe a dark horse in this now that Fields elevated himself like he did. But people that are in the know, that know a lot about quarterbacks, efficient quarterbacks, think this kid's going to be a stud. No, they or, has, or has, I should say, has the potential to be a stud. Definitely. But the thing that gives this kid moxie is his attitude. From what I've heard from people who have been covering him, is that this kid is, he's a killer. 
He's a killer. He looks to destroy you. Yeah, and Mike put on the highlight. Mike put his highlights on the other night. We're chilling, watching. And he has he has the laser beam down the field pass like Mahomes. Like but he has I'm not saying it's like Mahomes is one of a kind, but I'm saying just that straight laser bomb yeah. he can throw. He has the touch. <laughs> he has everything you need dual at least. Threat, runs. Dual threat, he can run. He ran for about three hundred yards this year. So, you know, I know you can look at it like maybe BYU doesn't play the best competition, but neither neither did Texas Tech, neither did uh Wyoming with Josh Allen. And they don't have the best they don't have the best receivers. They don't have the best exactly. offensive line. Their offensive line's not great either. Yeah, you sure, know what sure. I'm saying? And that could have a lot to do with why he didn't perform last year, maybe at the level he performed this year. It really did change the What's up? It's official! It's official! Oh my hallelujah! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> look! Let's read, read it. Oh, let's, let's read, read it. Let's, let's read, read it. it. Oh. Let's read this official statement to everyone that we just received from Jet Chairman and CEO Christopher Johnson. Breaking news here in the AEBG podcast. This evening, I informed Adam Gase he will no longer serve as the head coach of the New York Jets. During his time here, I had the pleasure of getting to know Adam and his wonderful family and wish them nothing but the best moving forward. While my sincere intentions are to have stability in our organization, especially in our leadership positions, it is clear the best decision for the Jets is to move in a different direction. We knew there was a lot of work that needed to be done when Adam joined us in 2019. Our strong finish last year was encouraging, but unfortunately, we did not sustain that positive momentum or see the progress we all expected this season. To our fans, it is obvious we have not been good enough. We are committed to building a strong organization on and off the field, and we will continue to provide the necessary resources to field the team that you can be proud of. J E T S Jets Jets Jets. <laughs> I mean, that's the best news I've heard in years, man. You know what? You know what, everyone? I'm not even exactly sure if there's a better way to end the hundredth episode, humanly possible. Absolutely. Perfect how that worked out. We did not plan that. Me and Mike are here talking, going through things. Mike got an update. Adam Gase officially gets the axe dropped on him. Mike, now. So we were saying it's over. We were saying to move on, everyone. Now we officially can begin the process of moving on. Could not have gotten a more fitting end to the 100th episode. Adam Gase is, Adam Gase is out the door. He's history. Yeah. He's, he's done for. And we turn the page here for 2021 season with the Jets. I want to thank everybody who has listened to us and supported us along the way here throughout our 100th episode. Everyone that's joined us as a guest. Everyone that's joined us as one of our friends that's helped us out here. CJ, Kevin Jackson over there at the Weapons Hot Podcast. It's been awesome through these 100 episodes, man. And it's been great. And if anyone does want to continue getting at us or supporting us or listening to our show where can they do that well we're hosted on the elite sports radio network you can find us on soundcloud itunes spreaker.com please follow us on facebook at aebg.jetsradio on twitter at aebg underscore nyj podcast and on instagram at jet.aebg you heard the man on behalf of the biggest jet fan in the state of texas michael agaris my name is keith farrell get at you next week everybody peace out Hey, this is Joe Namath, and uh, they say it ain't easy being green. Are you ready? The New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jet fans, Jet fans, Jet fans, Jet fans are very passionate. Bird, Bird. Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. Darnold, 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 Darnold.
Because ain't Jeff Andrew. Very passionate. Brady sucks. Y'all feel the suck. To all the non-believers. 